Hello, everybody, and welcome to the April 8, 2021 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I'm your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. And, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say, it seems like you can't do anything anymore without being called racist. In fact, fear of being called racist is actually what stops people from expressing a large majority of opinions they really hold. Now, for example, and this is where I show that for the first 20 seconds I was being disingenuous, uh, for example, I'm sure there are millions of Americans who oppose voter ID laws. However, they cannot express that opinion, because if they do, Ami Horowitz will stick a camera in their face and then clip them uh, so they sound racist, kind of, sort of, not really. Yeah, this is a video that was posted on TikTok. I saw it on Twitter a few days ago. It's supposed to expose that people who, who are against voter ID laws are the real racists. Great argumentation there, by the way. Again, the left calls everyone they don't like racist, and also they're all a bunch of racists. It makes sense if you have cognitive dissonance or you just don't think about it. Uh, <laughs> Here's the video, here's the video, and I tried to find a racist statement here, and a few of them do word things badly, I'll admit that right now, but there wasn't a racist statement here, just, just watch. Do you have an opinion on voter ID laws? Uh, yeah, they're usually pretty racist. I think voter ID laws are a way to perpetuate racism. Would you go as far as to say that those laws are racist? For sure. Do you think it suppresses the uh, African-American vote? Definitely. Uh, because they're less likely to have state IDs. These type of people don't live in areas with easy access to DMVs or other places where they can get identification. Do you think that's harder for black people to go online? Well, IDs? I feel like they don't have the knowledge of how, of like, how it works. Do you carry ID? Yes, I do. Do you know anybody, who, any black person who doesn't carry ID? No. Do you have ID? Yes. Because I have my ID and my friends have their ID, so like, we know what we need to carry around. Yeah, everybody that I know have ID. Like, that's one of the things you need to walk around with New York with. I heard a lot also that uh, black people can't figure out how to get to the DMV. Really? Is that, is that, what does that say to you? I know it's that, on 25th Street. Do you know where the ID, the, the DMV is right here? It's on 125th Street and 3rd Avenue, I believe. Yeah, yeah, of course black people know where the DMV is. As every Family Guy fan knows, black people invented the DMV to get revenge for slavery. That's just a fact, okay? <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, seriously. First off, I can't help but notice that Horowitz only asked, Do you have an ID? Well, not all IDs are voter IDs. In the state of Texas, for example... You cannot use a student ID as your photo ID if you want to vote. Okay? You can't. That's against the law. Or, it's not against the law, you just won't be able to vote. Um, you can, however, use your concealed carry permit. So, if you got one of those lying around, as everyone does in Texas. Uh, <laughs> but anyway... And there are examples like that all over the country. There are several examples of voter ID laws that specifically demand they be more obscure IDs that are only likely to be owned by, well, the wealthy. And which group of people, which race makes up a disproportional percentage of wealthy Americans? It ain't black people, I'll tell you that much right now. Now, allow me to make the actual argument that's usually made 
in these discussions and not in 10 second clips. I should also have it known, I hate, hate, hate this kind of video. You know, this man on the street starts ambushing people with a microphone in their face. Speaking of Family Guy, you guys remember the episode where Peter got a camera and he just went around annoying people with it to send the videos into TMZ? That's what this is. I remember Bill O'Reilly used to do this all the time on The O'Reilly Factor, his old Fox News show. Or, he didn't do it. He sent out some goons to do it. But it would always be either someone who Bill O'Reilly was mad at. He'd just encounter them in a parking lot and go, Excuse me, guy Bill O'Reilly is mad at. How do you respond to the fact that Bill O'Reilly is mad at you? <laughs> or, for that matter, they'd also occasionally just go up to random people. There was one time where Bill O'Reilly's goon who walked up to random people on the street did it in Chinatown, and of course he spoke English, when a lot of people in that area can really only speak Chinese fluently, and, you know, they were just standing there like, what the hell's going on? Because they didn't quite understand English, they didn't have the best grasp of it, their entire town is based around Chinese, mind you. So, yeah, that would make sense. And then... It was like, oh my god, look at how uneducated they are. Yeah, you're talking to them in a language they don't understand, dumbass. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I just hate this kind of video in general. So allow me to make the actual argument someone like me would make in a podcaster chair to this question. So... It should first be noted that people who live in cities are less likely to have IDs on them at any given time, especially important IDs like driver's licenses, than people who live in suburban or rural areas. Uh, go to Manhattan, go to New York, go to Chicago, go to Detroit, go to Cleveland, assuming that's even still possible, I think it might have just entered the Phantom Zone by now, and just ask the locals there, how often do you drive? Now, depending on how close they are to a rural or suburban area, it might be somewhat common, don't get me wrong. However, cities typically end up having large, dense, centralized populations. As such, driving is relatively pointless, all things considered. Because, to put it simply, everything is so close. That's why, if you look at video of New York City, you see people walking everywhere. Not driving everywhere, walking everywhere. You don't need a license to walk, although maybe the Democrats might want to change that. So that then leads to the question of who's in most cities? What race do you typically find in cities? Now, there are exceptions. New York City, for example, is a very diverse area. And you find people of all races in large stripes there. However, especially in particularly bad cities, cities that are known for danger, cities that are known for poverty, cities that are known for crime, there's really only one race there, by and large. Areas like Cleveland, Detroit, and so on are primarily populated by black people. Okay? And I should also note to continue on to further expand on my point about 
They don't typically use driver's licenses. Most cities have very good public transportation. New York City is known for its subway system, and Chicago has a very good bus system, to my knowledge. And there are a few others around the country. Those are just off the top of my head. Public transportation is bigger in cities than they are in suburban or rural areas. Sorry, I sneezed and had to cut that out. Uh, <laughs> Um, and as such, that's, again, another disincentive for getting a driver's license. And again, not all these states allow driver's licenses. Some of them require a little more. Now, for that matter, these licenses also cost money. In my home state, the state of Ohio, the current fee to renew your driver's license is $26, or $25.75, we'll round it up to $26. Now, that's not a lot of money. Okay, that is not a large amount of money. That is, however, a lot of money to people who don't have $26, such as people who live in poverty, such as people who live in areas like Detroit and Chicago. In Michigan, I should note, it's $18, and in Illinois, it's about $30. Again, not a lot of money to a lot of people, but also a lot of money to a lot of people. Again, leading to another disincentive to having a driver's license. And so, what is the end result? Well, to put it simply, do you know what percent of white people do not have a photo ID on them at any given time? Or I think it might just be don't have a photo ID in general. Yeah, yeah, it's don't have a photo ID in general. 8%. You know what percent of black people don't? 25%. But the policy cannot be based in racism in any way because are you saying black people can't find the DMV? Well, I didn't say they couldn't find it. I'm just asking, first off, do they have the money to actually get what they need? And second off, why do they need to locate it in the first place? Because typically, they don't. And again, that's making the assumption that driver's licenses are a valid form of photo ID. Anyway, I just want you all to know that we've covered how Fox News has not been talking about Joe Biden all that much. If you want hard-hitting coverage of Joe Biden from the right, can't go to Fox anymore. They're talking about Dr. Seuss. And I was actually with them on that. Hashtag save Dr. Seuss. Instead, you have to go to Newsmax. So I'm going to read you a snippet of Grant Stitchfield on April 6, 2021, provided to us by Media Matters. Here's his hard-hitting journalism on Kamala Harris, the vice president. So it got me thinking about Kamala's crackling, all right? She is probably going to be president sooner rather than later. Yeah, that ain't happening. I know there are even a lot of liberals who think Biden's not going to live until 2024. Listen, Biden said he's running for re-election. He's running for re-election, okay? Biden is going to serve two terms, and then he's going to write a memoir. And it's not going to be the most beautifully written memoir of all time. Don't get me wrong. It's, but it is going to be very enjoyable, written very laid back and casually, and it's going to be hilarious. And it will unite the country in how good it is. I'm being serious when I say that. 
she's supposed to be the leader all women should look up to. Nobody has ever called her that, but okay. But all I can actually remember her doing since taking office is crackling at the most strange moments, too. Oh boy, that's her. That's cackling Kamala, the wicked witch of the West. Nancy Pelosi, move over. There's a new witch in town, and her name, of course, is cackling Kamala. You know, I'm starting to think this Newsmax guy really doesn't like Kamala Harris. Oh, how sad is that? She is going to be president. No, she isn't. By the way, I don't think Joe Biden is going to be in here for much longer. We'll see, right? I don't wish any harm to him at all, but we shall see. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. No issue here. No objection here. Anyway, last topic for tonight. You may remember that after the shooting of six Asian American women and two white women in various Asian massage parlors in Atlanta, Georgia... I called out the media that constantly tried to find some reason this crime happened that was not related to the actual shooter. Just some reason, some way we as a society could be blamed. I said that this was the action that was driven primarily by his own racism and probably to some extent sexism and completely denied that any other explanation was even possible. In fact, I even wrote an entire article titled Victim of Society completely breaking down that excuse and its long history in justifying evil, especially if that evil is white. Link in the show notes page. However, there's one more man that is still blaming society at large, that is still looking for any excuse to not blame the shooter for the shooting, and who is blaming all his political enemies in the same way that Jerry Falwell infamous infamously blamed 9-11 on feminists and gays all those years ago. A statement that, by the way, Jerry Falwell had to apologize for. And if you get Jerry Falwell to apologize, you know he said something bad. And he always was saying bad things. That man is the President of the United States himself, Joe Biden. Ever since these shootings, as well as another shooting in Colorado, President Biden has been going on an all-out crusade in favor of gun control. Of course, this kind of not-blaming-the-shooter-for-the-shooting attitude is very well-known in Biden's behavior. As vice president, he blamed the Sandy Hook shooting not on Adam Lanza, but on video games, even saying that the video game industry had to take responsibility for its violent content, despite the fact Adam Lanza played non-violent video games like Super Mario Bros. and Dance Dance Revolution. The president has even threatened to take executive action against guns, which, for the record, would be blatantly unconstitutional, on top of the fact that the Second Amendment directly says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. But since when has constitutionality ever stopped using a national tragedy to just completely disarm, pun intended, your political opponents? Far as I'm concerned, what Joe Biden is doing in pushing gun control after this attack is no different than what Jerry Falwell did after 9-11, saying it was the fault of feminists and gays and the ACLU and people for the American way, and saying we have to point our fingers at them and say, you help this happen. 
What, because one blamed abortion and the other blamed guns? I'm just all of a sudden supposed to take this complete removal of personal autonomy, of individuality, of responsibility from the committer of an attack seriously? That's utterly nonsensical in every way possible. For that matter, President Biden, let's actually take a minute and seriously think about what you are saying by pushing gun control after this attack. What you are now telling the American population is that the issue at hand was not the shooter, was not his racism, was not his sexism, but the inanimate object that he used to kill those people. Not the fact he had the desire to kill those people in the first place. That's just a happy little accident, I assume, compared to the inanimate object that he then used in a way that killed another human being. Am I the only one who sees the issue with this? I should also take a moment to note that it's rather ironic that Biden is responding to an attack based on racism by pushing gun control, especially considering gun control is the first political policy ever endorsed by the Ku Klux Klan. But, you know... To put it simply, if President Biden wants to do this whole anti-gun thing, say actually it's guns that are the issue, and not the racism, not the sexism, not the xenophobia, not anything else, then he is doing his voters a major disservice. People voted for Joe Biden under various promises, one of the biggest ones being that he would heal the nation after the summer of constant race riots we saw in 2020. And how does Joe Biden respond to the first big racial crisis of his administration? He ignores it and instead blames the inanimate object in the killer's hand as opposed to the killer himself. Joe Biden also ran on a platform of healing the nation. Well, wait a minute. The shooter in Colorado was not only one of your guys, he was a Democrat, he did not like Donald Trump, he was a Muslim, and some reports show that he actually faced discrimination because of that, and as such grew hatred towards white Americans as a result, meaning that condemning this would again be a good chance for Joe Biden to push his message of unity. And yet, what does he do? He blames the object in the killer's hand. Or how about the fact that just a couple of days ago, a man who believed that Louis Farrakhan, the founder of the Nation of Islam, was the second coming of Christ, which is a little odd considering Farrakhan's a Muslim, rammed into a building in Washington, D.C. Now, he was shot and didn't even have a gun on him, but again, this would be a good chance for Joe Biden to push his message of unity. He ran on a platform of being a moderate. Here is a chance for him to say that extremism of all kinds is bad, as he said during the campaign, might I add. Yet, what does he do? He goes after the object, not even in the killer's hand in this case, as this attempted killer had a knife. Whoops! The fact is, in not a single attack or shooting over the course of the Biden administration, can the gun be blamed? It wasn't some kind of act of manslaughter. It wasn't some kind of act where the gun was just conscious and as such started shooting people randomly. No, these were highly specific actions motivated by highly specific motives. I know, motivated by specific motives. I'm very good at this word thing. Now, and one of those motives in these cases was bigotry, was distrust of your fellow American, was, you could even say, division. 
Biden ran on uniting the people, and yet when he finds people divided, what does he do? Does he talk about that, like his campaign talked about nonstop? Of course not. Instead, he blames inanimate objects. Joe Biden is the kind of person who would respond to a cross-burning or a lynching by blaming fire. Joe Biden's the kind of person who, if he were to ever see a hanging, he would attempt to ban rope. It's utterly ridiculous and nonsensical, and the fact that the President of the United States is really going along with this shows that he is more interested in his own hatred of firearms, his own non-stop obsession with gun control, than he is actually fixing the problems at hand. Look, I'm not here to tell you what I think of gun control. I am against it, but I will admit there are cases for it that can theoretically be made. I don't find those cases strong, otherwise I'd be for it, but you know. However, the fact is, if Joe Biden really wants to say, don't worry, we'll just pass some gun control, and then racism will stop, well, first off, I recommend actually looking into the history of gun control. He'll be surprised. And second off, I recommend he get his head out of his own ass. I'm Ephraim, and good night.